Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, guys, here's part two of our 2020 draft recap. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so the, the draft pick of the Titans that I just love, I gave it an A in my draft grades, was Darren Evans, the running back from Appalachian State. Well, first of all, friends, are, are we an Appalachian State people or are we an Appalachian State people? Because I, I have really no opinion. I think it's Appalachian. That's how I would say I believe it's App State, and then the letters <laughs> don't really matter that much. <laughs> so <laughs> that is right. App State running back uh, Darrington Evans, who is also a uh, who played some slot receiver. He has experience as a punt and kick returner. I love this so much. I mean, we we went into the draft the three of us saying the Titans needed to find what they thought they were getting in Deion Lewis when they signed him, someone that can add a new dimension to the offense, that can shake linebackers and be a spell back. And if Henry needs a rest, he can he can come in and, uh, and, and run the ball well. And when he's in there, it's not obvious necessarily what's coming because he can you know run and he can catch. And they got it. I mean, I, I, I'm not a draft expert. I hadn't heard of this guy going into the draft. But when they picked him, I start reading about him. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is it. So, you know, I go back and start watching the tape and looking at his combine numbers and, and you know, hearing him in the conference call. This guy is, is – I think he's going to be it for the Titans. Yeah, I, I really like this pick. And a lot of people thought he was going to be the pick for a while. I mean, I think I remember – I think it was Nick Lombardi – uh, our understudy podcast host, who uh, I think it, like a month ago he tweeted, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Darren, Darrington Evans is a Titan or something along those lines. Uh, and he absolutely nailed it. And it made sense, uh, especially with Will's, not theory, but it's pretty much a fact that John Robinson drafts small school players. Uh, not small school, but not from the Power 5. Non-Power 5, yeah. Yeah, non-Power 5 in the third round. Uh, and he kept up that trend in this one. And, you know, how long has it been that we've been wanting a backup running back who can catch the ball but also actually run the ball? It, it's been it's been so many years, and I myself even got into the notion that a seventh-round pick out of Cal called Fani Muhammad was going to be that guy just because we were so starved of it and we never got it. And then he is, I'm bigger offense. than that guy. I know he was so small. I don't know what got into me, but we needed it. We needed it for the offense. It was so it was so crucial, and we saw how crucial it was last year when Deion Lewis replaced Derrick Henry, and it was the biggest drop off of talent level ever, ever in, in a Titans uniform. I just and, I, I just remember that Saints game where they deactivated Henry because based on some weird math stuff, it, the game didn't matter for playoff implications. Right. And the first play they ran inside zone at left guard. And Dion just got destroyed like two yards behind the line of scrimmage. And I just remember tweeting. I was like, I was like, did that not go exactly how we all expected the first (laughs) Dion Lewis play to go? And I mean, if, and I said this throughout last season, even before the Henry nagging injury thing started, I said, if he gets hurt, I mean, obviously, you know, if if any team has the best player on their offense get hurt, it's going to be tough. If he gets hurt, they may not score another point. And yeah. and now they've got uh, an, an insurance plan, but also a real weapon for Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, to work with. Yeah, and finally the screens won't be horrendous anymore. Although the screen, the screen designs might be, but the, I think the screens are still going to be bad. With this. this is the Titans we're talking about. As long as they're to the left side and not to but, the right side. But yeah, that might be true. But I don't think the yards per screen play will be like two, like it was with Deion Lewis with this guy. <laughs> I mean, 
I've always been a proponent. I like halfback slip screens. I think they work. Uh, we see it work with Henry all the time. But when it comes to wide receiver screens, this is a bit of an aside. Yeah. <laughs> I fundamentally disagree with the principle unless it's a unique design. Like, I don't understand this business about we snap the ball to the quarterback and just have him huck it as hard as he can immediately at the guy on the outside who has usually two DB standing right there. Like, I never quite get what the plan is with that. I loved the one they ran a few years ago, if you remember, with Matthews, where he kind of came inside and they had LeJuan as the lead blocker, which works because of how athletic he is. That was a unique design, and it worked because it fooled the defense. But like I said, just snapping the ball and hucking it to the guy as soon as outside, I don't get the logic in that. Um, You must have loved Brandon Ayuk's tape then. Every single play was a wide receiver screen. <laughs> Every single one. Worst. Oh, I'm so glad we didn't draft him. Kyle um, Shanahan apparently thinks he's the next Pierre Garcon. Yeah, I heard that on the Rich Eisen okay. show. I saw. Hold on, before I let Will actually talk, he hasn't talked this entire segment. <laughs> but uh, I saw a tweet or like a stat that Brandon Ayuk had the best separation of any receiver in terms of like it was like a data point. And I was like, yeah, of course, because he was running screens the entire the entire year. So obviously no DB was going to be right on him. So that bothered me. He's not very good. Anyway, go ahead, Will. Yes. <laughs> so uh, in case you're confused, this is about the Titans draft in Darrington Evans, not, not anything <laughs> to do with Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> so in case you just skip forward for some reason. Um you know, Darrington Evans feels like one of the guys who can succeed from a smaller school, a non-power school. You look at him compared to kind of the big four, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins. As far as testing goes, he's taller than them. Uh, he ran a 40-yard dash faster than them. He has longer arms, bigger hands, a longer wingspan, and he's about the same age. So, like – measurables wise he stacks up right with all those guys then you look at his yardage and his usage and you can see like okay this guy clearly was better than everybody he played and he did that with pretty subpar talent around you know it wasn't like he was playing at like it it doesn't matter but there's there's junior colleges that like load up on future SEC players and then they dominate and roll over other people. It wasn't one of those situations. It was a situation where, you know, he played teams that sent guys to the NFL. He was just better than them. So, you know, all that tells me it's like, okay, that gets you in the door. Like if you have great production and if you're, a, you know, have the frame, have the athleticism, no character issues, that gets you in the door to be a top 100 pick. But, Things he does on special teams, like you know, he was. Uh, it people don't really talk about it because it didn't happen this year. It happened last year, but he was second in the NCAA uh, in kick return yard average. So he had like he averaged I think thirty two point seven uh, yards per kick return, which is incredible. And you know this year's numbers were like down, but he was still like I think he still led the Sun Belt and all that stuff. So you know. If a guy's going to hit, and if you're going to take a running back from a smaller school, like th- this is this is the right way to go about it. Find somebody who's a complement to what you already have, not a duplicate. Find somebody who you can find an excuse to get on the field early and often, who will never be inactive on game day because he, you can use him so many ways. And then you know, get him for cheap. Get him in the third round. You know, you got a four year contract. I'm, I'm presuming, but you'll get a four year contract and. You know, you can say, okay, maybe this guy isn't going to be running back one, two this season, although I do think he is. But it's not a guy where you have to immediately cut bait after this season. So I I, I don't know. I really like the pick. I still like Fulton better than this. But I, this, this really helped day two seem not, not just good from a value standpoint, but good from a standpoint of – they got perfect fits for what they needed, and so it doesn't really matter if they reached as much in the first round. Let me say this, too, about uh, uh, Darrington Evans, because I think this is sort of the underlying benefit. They're finally going to be able to get a Dory Jackson out of punt returns. 
that's over. That ended on Friday. One one more thing, which I feel like we should talk about, about like what they won't have to do now. Now on third downs, if you're if you see a running back come on the field that's not Derrick Henry, you don't immediately know that it's going to be a pass. Exactly. Yes. Like, that was that, the Chiefs game, man. Yeah, like. We and we talked about that after it happened. Is it's just like when Deion Lewis came in the game, every defense we played immediately identified it as a pass, and they blitzed whoever was supposed to be in coverage on him. And they knew that if Deion Lewis got the ball, that's fine. They would just tackle him after because he wasn't going to make anybody miss and take anything like long. Like that's not even an insult to Deion Lewis. That's just exactly what happened. Just like if I was out there, they wouldn't. They wouldn't spend time covering me they would let me catch the ball if that was the plan and then they deal with me after and that put the titans at a massive disadvantage for i don't know six straight games so uh, this it, it's not like you know I, I talk about transformative players a lot and why a speed receiver would transform this offense and blah 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 but like having a running back who isn't limited to just doing one thing will transform this offense into what it's supposed to look like. I mean, if you've got a third and eight and you're going to run empty, make him one of the receivers. And put him in motion. Like, put him in motion and use it like, you know, put him or A.J. Brown, you know, put somebody who you could hand the ball to and it would scare the defense enough where they have to pay attention to it. that, That was the thing about Deion Lewis when he was really good in New England. It was... You know, he wasn't going to outrun anybody. It was just he was so quick that he was going to make everyone miss, and he was he had that lower body strength, all of which ended with the Titans when he had no semblance of anything quick or fast. This guy can not only, you know, wiggle, he ran a four four one. Which is that the fastest is he the fastest Titan based on the forty time? Other than maybe Cam Batson or Khalif Raymond? Mm. What do they run? That's a good question. I'm actually. I, not they sure. probably. I bet Raymond runs in the high four threes. Honestly, Batson. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know about. It's not. It, Batson is not the right answer. Uh, but I'm trying Raymond to Wood didn't go to the combine, so it wasn't him. Taylor I thought we ran a four two. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true, but he did run <laughs> Man, Batson didn't go to the combine either, so we'll never know. Well, I'll, I'll look up Raymond. This is this is a fun thing to do in the summer is to, for us to find out who the three fastest Titans are. And real quick, the the pro, the pro day times this year they were absolutely ridiculous. Like oh, Cam yeah. Dantzler running a four three after running a four six at the combine. Come like on, man. that happened. Yes, yeah. yes. Like that's that's the one where everybody like started making fun of him, and then it was like. <laughs> like oh, so this oh, is funny so i googled khalif raymond 40 and the first thing that came up was an article i wrote about him in which i had <laughs> what he ran and i said as reported by me he ran a 434 at his pro day wow wow that makes which, sense honestly really i believe good. yeah i believe it too i believe it too smoked the ravens on that deep play i mean he earned he a spot made... on the roster this past well, weekend during the draft yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we'll talk about sure. that in a little bit. I want to edge out the guys that they did pick, though, before we get to what they didn't pick. Laurel Munchison. Murchison. Laurel Murchison, the defensive lineman. I'm sorry. As, as we've talked about, I struggle with the names at first. It takes me a little while. I was writing a story last night. I started talking about Mike Robinson, the head coach of the Titans. Um, <laughs> just because there's too many names oh, yeah. at once, and it even confuses the people I already know. Um, but anyway, so Laurel Murchison, the defensive lineman from NC State, I liked that pick. I think that made a lot of sense. They desperately needed defensive line depth. I mean, look, behind Daquan Jones and Jeffrey Simmons, who the three of us like and think are good players, it was it was slim. It was Isaiah Mack, an undrafted free agent. Jack Crawford, who's hopped around the league and, and you know may not make the team even. Matt Dickerson. I mean, it was a pretty rough group. And I think that him being guy number three, which he'll certainly be, I think, once the season starts, if nothing else by default, I think that's a big boost to that group as a whole. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been talking about that. I don't feel comfortable about the defensive line depth for, for quite a while. And I would have been cool with James Lynch out of Baylor in the third round if we didn't go 
with Darrington Evans just because I thought we needed someone behind Simmons and Daquan Jones. I mean, Isaiah Mack is, is fine, but I'm not totally sold on him. And I know Austin Johnson wasn't good, but you still have to replace the body. And, and I think getting someone with decent upside, I mean, I, I, I don't know a lot about him. I've only seen a couple of a couple of games, but I don't think you get 20 tackles for loss, 11 sacks over two years in the ACC out of out of nothing. That doesn't just happen. Like, you, you actually have to be good. And from what I did see of him on tape, he does move rather well, and he's pretty versatile. He could play a nose tackle. Uh, he could play a couple of techniques. He can even – I saw him line up uh, at the edge on a couple of plays, uh, which was really impressive. Uh, and he seems like a really stout run defender. He really doesn't get moved uh, all that much, which is which is good, which is kind of what we need. We just need someone who's solid. Um I don't think he's going to be the next Jarrell Casey like some like some have been throwing around. I, I don't see that kind of upside with him, uh, but I don't think that's the kind of upside that, that we, we really even need or are looking for. Yeah, so when you go back and watch him, by the way, it's hard to find NC State games. Like, yes. <laughs> you've got to search like, uh, I don't know, I don't think this is illegal, but you have to search like uh, North Carolina State Versus. like you can't search like Laurel Murchison versus like it, that that's like the kind of depth you have to go to and you have to find the actual games and you can't watch the cutups so there may be plays I'm missing where he's in and doing more stuff I like the pick I that preface kind of made it sound like I don't I do like the pick I think it's the position of need I think it's good value I think he's exactly the kind of person that's going to stick on this roster for his whole contract because he's super high effort like there, there's times where, for better or worse, he's he'll trail a play and he'll like he'll trail a play and take the exact angle he's supposed to, and it doesn't matter if there's an offensive lineman who's going to crack back and hit him or what. But I mean, he he's not afraid to like get into a confrontation in the middle of the field because you know he's <laughs> taking the right angle. So you know, I like him. I think the coaching staff will love him. I think he'll play take Matt Dickerson's place. I'm. Uh, notably higher on Isaiah Mack. I think he's, uh, I think he'll be the, the, the DT three. Um, and I think he'll get a lot of snaps and I think he's got kind of more of the stout, like smaller body type, whereas Merchant's like six, three and a half or something or six, two and a half. So he'll be like a little bit taller and have a little bit kind of a longer frame, but you know, either way, like if you're upgrading your backups from, Dickerson and Austin Johnson to Isaiah Mack and Laurel Murchison like that that's a net upgrade on those positions and you'll get more I, I mean he led the team he led North Carolina State in tackles for loss and sacks and he was a team captain I'm, I'm reading that off Dane Brugler's uh, draft guide if y'all haven't gotten it but you should get it but like he he's did everything you're supposed to do. Like he got progressively better every season. He made more impact plays. It wasn't just like he got more time on the field. Like he did more with his time. So this is a guy, if you're on day three, you know, he's got all the, you know, he got all the intangibles you want. He's shown progress. He's not capped out or anything like that. Yeah. Like go ahead and let him sit behind Simmons and Jones for a year and get some rotational snaps and then see where you are like in 2021. And yeah, well, I I think in, you hit the nail on the head with you know upgrading your backups from last year. And I think that when you're in the draft at defensive line, especially if you're a base 3-4 team, and they're really a base nickel team, I know. But I just think that Murchison is kind of exactly what you want when you're looking at a mid to late round defensive line depth piece because he is athletic enough to get by it's not just this giant dude who can't move and he also can play all all the spots he played one technique two technique zero technique whatever you want him to do he even said he played five technique which that's edge right mm-hmm. yeah so you know look I, I just think that this works out really well for them and I, and every time i've written about him this week I've, I've just included the phrase he fills a big need for them and, and i think we saw the shift after that day one pick was sort of a future projection, maybe this works out, it immediately became, okay, these are our three biggest needs, corner, backup, running, back, defensive line depth. 
Titans said, let's knock those three out back to back to back. Yeah, and it's kind of what John Robinson has always done. He's used the draft to fortify the roster and and fill those holes. And uh, I think that's that's probably the right way to build a team. I mean, you can go best player available, but not a lot of teams are afforded that luxury. Maybe only the Chiefs right now are afforded that luxury. And that's only because they have the best quarterback in the league and they have him on a cheap contract. And it's not a a sustainable way uh, to roster build. Yeah, and and I noted at the time, too, that the, you know, because the Titans didn't pick on the fourth in the fourth round, so they had to wait all the way to the fifth round. And I think there was something like three defensive tackles taken before the Titans, no, including the Titans pick on day three at that point. So, you know, 70 picks or something like that. And, only, you know, the only defensive tackle that's off the board, or the only two defensive tackles that are off the board from when you picked uh, Darrington Evans were – I think Brevin rule and uh, no, it wouldn't break. It was, it was, it was just a couple of like guys. Lecky Foto was one of them. Uh, and then somebody else, but uh, the, the reason that's important is because in the next 50 picks, I think there were something like five or six defensive tackles taken. So it clearly seems like John Robinson started run on defensive tackles because he said, you know, that's, that's my biggest need. I think it'll be there on, you know, on, on day three, he waited and then he saw, you know, he said, OK, like I'm going to take the guy at the top of my board and everybody else started panicking because the guys they had in that pod weren't, you know, it wasn't quite as full as they thought. So, I mean, it seems like he got value that's recognized league wide and then value that anywhere you look up any information about him, it seems right. And then if you look at him on film and on paper, yeah, like it seems so it, it doesn't seem like it's anything even in question, it's just like he just got an empirically good value on day three. So when you only have four picks on day three and three of them are in the seventh round, getting value is important. So before we get into, as I teased, what the Titans didn't do, um, I, I want to just say that we're going to talk. Sorry, I got distracted because I-, I got a text from Austin Stanley, my boss who said that I had a typo in one of my articles, which is one of my pet peeves in the world. So I, I had to go in and fix that. Um, it was a name thing. I'm, I'm, it was in my draft grades, and I'm talking about uh, Chris Jackson, the cornerback from Marshall that we're about to talk about, and I referred to him as Marshall in the article. Oh, oh that's funny. Oh, wow. uh, just think Chris Johnson, because Chris Johnson was like, who are the defensive backs we even have right now? Uh I think after we picked Isaiah or Isaiah, uh, that's what's going to mess me up is Isaiah Simmons and Isaiah Wilson and Isaiah Matt. Um, so so let, let's talk before we get into what they didn't do because I do want to hit on that. Let's round out what they did do with the seventh round guys: Cole McDonald, Chris Jackson, McDonald quarterback from Hawaii, Jackson a corner back from Marshall. Uh, I thought it was okay. You know, Cole McDonald, big arm, fast. I think he's probably Blaine Gabbert, so, I mean, I don't know that he's the backup. Maybe it's still, I, and I wrote this, I don't know that he's going to be able to beat out Logan Woodside. Uh, but when it comes to Chris Jackson, and I wrote this too about him, I, I think he's kind of exactly the kind of guy you're looking at with a seventh-round draft pick. Four, four, six, forty 40 times, so he's got the athleticism to get by. He's a high-character guy. He won some kind of award at Marshall this year for, for character. Um, and uh, he had production, seven interceptions in college. And so, look, maybe he gets cut. If if so, it's a seventh-round pick. If not, maybe you found yourself a depth cornerback that can work out. Yeah, I can't say much about Chris Jackson. I don't know anything about him. But I just told you seventh, everything I know about him. A, a defensive back in the seventh <laughs> that, round. That was it. Me means uh, he's going to be at best a special teamer and he could carve out a role for himself. I think that's really important. If you turn into a really sound special teamer, like you're going to play in the NFL for for quite a while. As for Cole McDonald, that was one of my favorite picks in the draft. I really like him. I know he's just insane with his carelessness with the football at times, but that's what I like. I like that sometimes. I like a little bit of Ryan Fitzmagic uh, to my quarterbacks, and he has that, and he also has outstanding arm strength, athleticism, 
and kind of underrated accuracy. A lot of people w- will say because of his interception numbers that he's not accurate. That's not true. His interceptions came because he doesn't really care whether his team or the other team catches the ball. <laughs> but that's fine with me because most of the time it works out and his numbers speak for themselves. Uh, and he was one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch in college with those late night Hawaii games that, you know, they kind of have like have like an aura about them. Uh, and he was at the forefront of them. And, and I can't wait to see uh, if they can develop him, because I think he could be a really high end backup if they just tame him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Chris Jackson, I, sh- I should say, you know, he's really productive. He's played corner and, and, you know, he's projected to safety in the NFL. Like, that's that's John Robinson's type. Like, he wants to draft versatile, athletic, productive players in in day three, like a defensive back. So that that's good. That checked a box, whatever. Like, I'll have to see him play. I have not seen any Marshall games, and I haven't seen So I, I can't speak on him at all. But Cole McDonald I have seen. And I've seen his, you know, you've seen his combine numbers where I think that's where John Robinson said they, you know, he had a good combine or he impressed him at the combine. It's something, some kind of passing remark like that uh, in the Periscope yesterday. But the reason that's important is because he had 91st percentile, a 40 yard dash with a four, five, eight. He had a 36 inch vertical, which is 92 percentile. Uh, and he had 121 inches, so 10, over 10 feet, uh, broad jump which is 92nd percentile like he's really athletic so you get a 6-3 really athletic quarterback who doesn't really care if he throws interceptions like that's the perfect guy I want to see in the preseason like that's that's the guy who you know you're going to get seven combined quarters of and he's just going to absolutely do whatever he wants and he's got the athleticism and the arm talent to do it whether it's the right decision or not, I don't know. But it's definitely super fun. And if if you're thinking, you know, we're going to build our offense around Ryan Tannehill, at the very least you have to get somebody who's athletic enough to pull off those bootlegs yeah. and get back across the formation after he does the hard, you know, play-action fake. So you've got to have a certain level of athleticism, so why not just go all in with somebody who, you know, you've seen – display that they have that and then go from there so I, I like him i think he'll be the backup and i think he'll be a cheap backup for the next four years yeah. another thing about the backup quarterback i don't want my backup quarterback to be a game manager because you can't win games yes. with them simply because they're not good enough and then managing the game it's just not good enough to win you games we saw it with castle we saw it with gabbert well, in, in my backup quarterback, I want a guy who's actually going to try to throw a touchdown, who's trying to go down the field and actually make something happen for the team. Let me counter with this. Isn't that kind of what Blaine Gabbert tried to do and just failed epically? But he was he, he was, was always so a system quarterback. Yeah, at Missouri, he was always a system quarterback. Like, it was always close to the line of scrimmage passes. Like whether he was athletic or not didn't matter. Like he never like really showed in college. He was a guy who's just going to like let it rip. Like McDonald's done that. Like he'll throw it across his body on the move, full speed down the field. Like he does not care. That that's that's the difference. Is Gabbert would much rather like dink and dunk if he could. And by the time he realized he shouldn't, he you know he'd spent ten years doing that. So most, most erratic quarterback ever. How is, how is he still in the NFL? He's, He's Tom Brady's backup. <laughs> oh god, that's crazy. I always I tell people the, the only times I have play. ever the only times I have ever been scared on the Titans practice field was that year they had Blaine Gabbert, and it would be when he was in running a play, and I could tell that his number one read was heading in my direction. That, that was when I would get scared because I didn't know where that ball was going. And Blaine Gabbert has the biggest arm I've ever seen. Like, you know, Tannehill throws great. I think Mariota threw just fine. Oh, my gosh. It's like t- up ten notches with Blaine Gabbert. It's too hard. Like, I was watching it, like, bounce off of people just because he's like, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, that guy was something else. Let's talk about who they didn't get in the draft, the Titans. Uh we mentioned receiver, and I think that's probably the biggest omission, we would agree. Um, 
So I'm not going to sit here and let, let's play what they should have done because we all, maybe except for the first pick, like what they did. So instead, let's have this discussion. Where do they go next? Because you can't enter the season with the group they have now because if any of the big three, Davis, Humphreys, or A.J. Brown gets hurt, you don't have anyone. I mean, Raymond is a very situational player. Cameron Batson is tiny and like you used to say, Matias looks like he's on an episode of Jacked Up every time he gets tackled. <laughs> I mean, and who else? Cody Hollister. These aren't guys. I mean, think about how much Tajay Sharp played last year, even before Humphreys got hurt. You really want one of those guys stepping into that role? I mean, Raymond may be a great five, but he's not a four because a four is a much different role. Yeah, they need to sign someone. Like uh, as much as as much as we like Khalif Raymond, he's very. I mean, very, he, very he's a nice Knicks guy, receiver. very fast, but no, he's good. He's earned a earned a spot on the roster. Definitely, but that's not the guy who you can count on to kind of replace Tajay Sharp's production. All I mean, it wasn't a lot of production, but he, he played a good amount. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe one of these UDFA guys can be that, but I would think that they're going to dip into the free agent market. Uh, Paul Richardson is still available. Taylor Gabriel is still available, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Jarius Wright is out there. Guys that aren't, they're not good, but they'll do in a pinch, and that's kind of what you need from your wide receiver for. And before I toss to Will, I think this is kind of a nice vote of confidence for Corey Davis, in my opinion. Yeah, baby. No, it really yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. You're you're in the, you know, historically one of the best wide receiver classes of all time, and you pass because you know you've got Corey Davis in your back pocket. I mean, that's just utter confidence. Yeah, so, but, but I, I mean, sure, and I, and I agree with that. And I don't think, unless it was a first-round pick, I don't think anybody was going to replace Davis. But the, the problem isn't replacing him this year or next year. The problem is you got to have a fourth guy this year. Well, I mean, and that's, that's true. I, I was mostly joking, but I, yeah, uh, I, I know. so here, like, here's the thing. You, you just went through a historically great wide receiver class like we talked about, and there were a bunch of wide receivers drafted, which is great. But that means that there's going to be certain teams that are overloaded at wide receiver, and there's going to be a market inefficiency there yes. that you can exploit. So I just pulled up the uh, Philadelphia Eagles roster. Does anybody want to guess how many wide receivers they have right now? Like six? Uh, well, they just drafted three, and they traded for Goodwin, right? Mm-hmm. So Correct. they probably have like 11. They have 14. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, oh and two of, them are, two of them are two of them who probably aren't even going to start are pro bowlers into Sean Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. Correct. Oh, so, Jackson's not – he's not playing on that team. Yeah. He's going to so, get – or traded. So if you – and you've got guys like Shelton Gibson who play, like, special teams for them, so they probably won't get rid of him. They've got J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from last year, so they probably won't cut him. He was a second-round pick. Like – You've got Greg Ward, who actually like led him in receiving. He's like yeah, actually like, good. Yeah, he's like actually like not bad. So like they've got bodies. So their problem is like, and a lot of teams. It's not just the Eagles, but they were the first team to come to mind. But I mean, I'm sure the Broncos have some too because they drafted three receivers and a tight end or whatever they did in the first few rounds. So there's teams that have taken advantage of this class who now have too many body position. So. I would expect that somewhere down the line, Robinson either makes another sixth-round pick trade or he just signs somebody in free agency to fill that spot. The Broncos, you just mentioned that, that intrigues me because they have Deshaun Hamilton who can play in the slot and is kind of the same body type as Tajay Sharpin. I would like to see that trade get pulled off because I think it's pretty good. I'll say yeah, I mean, this. I've always liked Deshaun Jackson too. Like I don't know like the locker room stuff. Him. like. But I've always liked Deshaun Jackson, and I've always liked Alshon Jeffrey once he got out of Chicago. Like, so Desha- I guess not always. But Des- Deshaun like- Jackson's always been one of my favorite players. And uh, yeah. I'll, I'll say this about mm-hmm. the Eagles, just sort of related to this, and we talk about their draft. I think they did exactly what they needed to do in this draft. They, they were a team, what I like to say, and the Titans were this a couple years ago, desperately in need of juice, and they got it big time. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, they're they're like, and that's with picking Jalen Hurts in the second round. Like they still added a lot of fun pieces. So, <laughs> so so let let's look then at 
who who's out there right now? Because I think you're absolutely correct, Will. That makes a ton of sense. But if they were to dip back in, I mean, there are guys out there still who will be on a team. You have Paul Richardson, Taylor Gabriel, Marius Thomas, uh, yeah, Josh Gordon, Tavon Austin, Jermaine Curse. I mean, these aren't great receivers by any stretch of the imagination. Jordan Matthews. But there are people who are going to be on a team, at least in August. I found a good one. I think Richard Higgins would be my priority right now because he's still young. He's shown to actually be productive both at the collegiate level and even with the Browns when he got a chance. And he could play both inside and outside. I think that's the guy I would probably target right now. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, that, that's the thing is, like, I would hate to go after somebody now and then, and I think this is the way John Robinson thinks too. It's like, I, I would hate to even, like, I mean, personally, if it's just me, like, doing whatever I want to do, I probably go out and trade for Alshon Jeffrey just because I think that gives you another reliable guy who you know his biggest problem is staying healthy he's always had issues with that great use him as a rotational like third slash fourth receiver and then just maximize him where he dominates like that that works just fine for me so i mean because i know the eagles want to trade him they've actively said they don't like they've been trying to trade him since last year so Hmm. if they're if they're actively trying to trade him Get just jump in and make an offer and see what happens and then keep that offer on the table. And as more and more wide receivers hit free agency or become available in trades, your offer looks more and more enticing. Are y'all ready for Stop the Nonsense? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys have stuff. If you do, we'll run with it. But I mean, I do. Okay. Um, because I think we were going to talk about Zechariah Williams, right? But also we haven't hit Jordan. We also haven't hit Jordan Love. So you know what? It's the draft. We had people tweeting us this during the draft. They're like, you're not gonna have a problem coming up with stuff. Let's just do it all and we'll see how long it takes. Yeah, I was actually looking at our our listen statistics because I was wondering like, do people turn us off before this segment? And it's like, no. Like People who are listening at this point stay listening. I think they stay for this segment. Yeah. <laughs> or they <laughs> skip, skip for this segment. Yeah. I mean, that was very clear in the statistics that there is no drop off at the end. So let, let's just, I mean, so if someone wants to work on pulling up the Zechariah Williams stuff, because that yeah. was just comical. Um, so, yeah, okay. So, I see it now. Matias just sent it in our group message. So. Someone want to start us off? Okay. So, Zachariah Williams is a radio host. Uh, talks about the Titans very often. And during this draft weekend, or even before it, he was coming up with theoretical trades that the Titans could pull off. This is so bad. This, this was one of them. Would you take this trade? He's being serious, by the way. Like, this is completely serious. He's not messing about because I've seen some of his tweets and takes before and they've legitimately just confounded me and this is from someone who's like he's on the radio talking about radio. like that's not easy to do and you have to be very like coherent and knowledgeable in order to do that about football about the times about everything so he tweets would you take this trade tennessee gives their first round and their fifth round pick to dallas for tony pollard tony pollard the backup running back a third-round pick, and a fifth-round pick. He's serious. He was serious. That's not even the worst one. There's another one. This is the best one. This is this is the crowning, the crowning achievement. It was Raheem Mostert, the San Francisco guy who was undrafted and just now finally got the starting job and went to the Super Bowl. It was Raheem Mostert, a fifth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick. For the Titans' first round pick, which is insane, like a running back, which which is just absolutely insane. Like that, like I do a lot of trade stuff on here, but I try to do like very like methodical. Like I look at Rich Hill trade value charts, and I look at the standard Jimmy Johnson trade value charts, and I try to say like, okay, if I'm going to use this player as part of a deal, what equivalent does that make it? I mean, this this I think turns out to be. Uh, 
grading or, you know, valuing Raheem Mostert as a first round pick because like for for something to value that like to end up in that kind of value, it would be like a first round pick and a fifth and a sixth gets you a higher first round. Like it, it's just I don't I don't know what's what would going you, on. With hold that. on. Who would you well, give up the twenty ninth pick for? McCaffrey, right? Saquon maybe. That's it. Those are the only running backs. Yeah, McCaffrey's deal is such garbage too. Oh right. Now now it's not even I wouldn't even take it. Yeah. I'd do Saquon. I like him. Um, well, the, the only th- but, the only hard but, thing is like you look at guys like Kamara and like they can be fantastic one year and then the next year they can completely drop yeah, off a cliff. Like Matias, you you said you know you hit the crown jewel. I mean, you haven't even gotten to what I consider when we hit the mother load with this. Um, so he did his poll about the Tony Pollard thing and it got very negative response. And he said. Y'all treasure a first-round pick way too much. If it's in the first 10, oh, then yeah. yes. But after that, it's not important. To to which, Loren- to which Lorenzo Noodles responds, no. And then <laughs> this guy responds back and says, and this, is, this sealed it for me as to us dedicating a section of this show to him. So you think the 29th pick is a better player than than the 85th pick? Dude. <laughs> this can't be real. This can't be real. I forgot about that one, honestly. Uh, yeah, I do. Because here's how this works. See, when you draft, uh, you know, the players come off the board. And so, obviously, teams differ on who ranks where, and that's okay. But let's say that there's a board of 100 players, and every team no, every team has the same value on those 100 players. You start at 29, right? You're going to get the 29th best player. And then at 85, guess what? You're going to get the 85th best player. Now, obviously, because teams don't have this uniform system of rankings, it doesn't always quite work out that way. But it's pretty close because, as I said earlier, the mock drafts are, like, always right. Hold on. I'm pulling up the draft. Uh, I, I want to pull up to do the actual comparison. Yes, exactly. Oh, wait, like, he might be right here. Cause last year's 29th pick was LJ Collier. So he might know. be on this. I don't even here. know who that is. Like, I, Oh, I, guess who the 85th pick was. Hold on. It was Jalen Ferguson. It's a toss up. Oh my God. They're both. <laughs> terrible. Um, oh, yuck. I, it's, like, it's just, it, like there's sometimes we say things and we have to like explain why there's such bad arguments like or why the timing is bad but to basically say like y'all think 29 is a smaller number than 85 yeah that's like, exactly I mean that like that's exactly what like, like it's like yeah man like empirically like ask anybody in the world if they would trade the 29th pick for the 85th pick and they would say no but ask anybody in the world if they trade the 85th pick for the 29th pick and they'd say yes like it, it just it's it's crazy to me. Like even like, I I don't know. I can't I can't explain how bad it is. Matthias, did you say you had something else? No, that it was it was that. But okay. Also, every every um every NFL reporter should probably be on this stop the nonsense because they were all wrong. They were all wrong, wrong. the entire draft weekend. It was very frustrating. Are we going to talk about how uh, ESPN just did all that? Oh, garbage? my God. That was going to be mine. That was going to be mine. Okay. Like, I, I was explaining it to a non-football fan today. I, I said uh, they went to the like their control panel, found the melodrama knob, and just cranked that sucker all the way up. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, imagine you just won the lottery. Like, this is you explaining to your non-sports-watching friends. Like, imagine you just won the lottery and somebody told you that you're going to make $5 million, but they have to space it out over four years. It's like, oh, man, that sounds great. It's like, but they're going to air the saddest thing that's ever happened to you, and they're going to cut to live video of you watching it during the (laughs) happiest moment of your life. And it's like, my God. It's like, is it like a closed feed? It's like, no. It'll be it'll be the most popular thing in the world, and we're gonna run reruns of it forever. It's like, oh man, is is it gonna be online too? It's like, yes, definitely. I'm gonna, <laughs> so I'm gonna play a, it's like what, what a nightmare. I'm gonna, like I'm gonna, the bullet was, points were 
were the worst part. We're crazy. We we were talking uh, on Skype uh, during the second round or day two or whatever, and we were talking about how it looked like the old MTV Next stuff, yeah. where the third one would always just be something outrageous that made like no sense, and that's that's what it was like. And then T Higgins was the worst. I'm not going to repeat this. Like, I, I don't. I, don't I was about like to. I was about to say it, but it's yeah, probably like better it, not. It was that was was that the mom one? Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. That's, that's probably all we need to say about it. But like, it, but the it, Ezra Cleveland one, where he was born three weeks earlier or whatever, what was, and he was, was eleven that? pounds. What was the like, one? Where it was like somebody went to Japan. Uh, oh yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. It was, for it classes, their, yeah, it was their number one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was their number one bull. Well, oh my god! He was in an guys. internship at a video game so, company. Who cares? Yeah, I, that's as a, a lot I, of people have internships. Apparently. As I said on one of our episodes a couple weeks ago, I, I've always watched the draft on NFL Network. Is this just an ESPN thing? Because I've never. I mean, obviously, like you know, if there's a sad, you know, human interesty story, they're going to talk about it. But I mean, this just felt like torture for these poor kids. I mean, is this just an? I mean, I remember last year they kept showing the Jeffrey Simmons video. It may it may surprise you to hear this, but I have a theory. Um, <laughs> I think that they had all this stuff like pre-cut and recorded and set up so that if there were any sort of uh, problems with the internet or connection or anything like that, they could have it all ironed out by the time they had to do the next like analysis. So it would be. You know, Wingo, uh, it would be Roger Goodell announces the pick. Wingo talks about it for a second, cuts to sad video we have on these people or interesting video or whatever, but generally sad. And then during that time, we make sure everybody's got a strong enough Internet connection and everybody's synced up like because it did feel like there were so many interstitial like it was just like, okay, here's a two minute clip of. You know, you talking about your hardship. I mean, like, and then this, this was so the rough bad. part is when uh, Jake Fromm got picked. It was like, he sure does love hunting ducks. <laughs> and it was like after every other person had been like yeah. tragedy. It's like that that was uh, like hard well, to watch. The best, the best one. Well, not the best one, but one of the best ones was when they cut to Jake Fromm. And he wasn't in the picture. He wasn't even there. And they were like, there's Jake Fromm. <laughs> and we were like, hold on. Did he grow his hair out? What's like, going on here? I was like, Jake Fromm might be cool. Like, that's <laughs> crazy. Gonna, over my microphone, I'm going to play a couple seconds of a video, just about 15 seconds. It's from a guy named Chris Marler on Twitter. It came out. He put it out yesterday, or yesterday being uh, Saturday. This was the funniest. I, I could not stop laughing at this. Trigger warning, there's one curse word. Hey guys, Trey Wingo here, ESPN. Uh, listen, before we allow this young man uh, who's just drafted to celebrate the biggest and best moment of his entire life, uh, we first want to tell you some of the most horrific shit you've ever heard. Because um, <laughs> this young man has overcome a lot of adversity. Uh, homeless, was actually homeless growing up, um, had a very tough childhood. His dad was born with eagle's talons instead of feet. Um, and, and at the ripe age of eight, he actually watched his entire Sunday school class die in a fire right before his eyes after he <laughs> that's what it was that, that was exactly it what it was like it was like boy i sure do like that tight end from notre dame all right here's a cut up of everything every time he's ever stubbed his toe well, there, and the last words his mother ever said to him well, there's a great like, tweet from uh it's gonna take me a while to find it because i tweeted so much this weekend uh but i'm gonna try from south texas titan Oh, here it is. Uh, look at this man. NFL, look at this man's reach. NFL Network. He got it from his dead parents while living homeless. Had to walk 15 miles uphill in the snow to make it to school every day while having six jobs and taking care of his eight siblings. Like, I don't understand why that was... Uh, it was, uh, and it was that, much. that was new, though. Like, I, like I've yeah. seen those stories before, but not for every single, every single prospect. I mean, those are those are usually the stories you see for like ten minutes. It feels like on game days on Saturdays before college football games, where they're like, yeah. "We've got to fill the time," and then it's like, "So and so has a special bond with this kid and their community." And yeah, like, it's, it's okay like, to okay. do a feat like a feature yeah. story yeah, where the player agrees to the interview and agree. It's another thing to like just like throw that at him. And the music, the music was the worst part of it all. 
yeah, like, for exa- like for yeah, example, yeah. Cr- Christian Fulton, right? His grandfather recently passed away from COVID nineteen. Now, if I mm-hmm. wanted to write a, a feature story on how that, you know, maybe made draft night a little more somber for him, how what his relationship was with his grandfather, the way to approach that is not I'd walk up to Christian Fulton and be like. So, Christian, I heard your grandfather died before the draft. Is that true? <laughs> yep. I would get That's punched exactly in the what face. ESPN did. <laughs> Y'all remember when uh, Tack McKinley brought oh that picture Lord. of his grandmother? How could I forget? This would be like if he did that, and then they cut to a three-minute video of exactly what happened before, the game, like how she ended up dead. It's like oh, it was so callous. And, you know, and, and, and I, it, I say it, this, like, at one point, they like started playing this like funeral music over the piano. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I was gonna say like, I this sounds like we're just trying to tear down the entire broadcast. I thought this was the most likable Roger Goodell has ever been. Oh like, yeah, definitely. I, I true. I like. I really enjoyed it. And then <laughs> there were enough people around that if you could just ignore Michael Irvin, that like there was enough like <laughs> to where people didn't feel like they had to fill time. They would just say a couple of thoughts about the player and then kind of move on. That was great. Like I thought it would be too many cooks in the kitchen, but they were they were very like tight and concise with their explanations. So that was great. So all of it was great except for the three minutes they spent every every single pick on something horrible that happened to these Paul, people. Paul Kuharski had a great tweet about Michael Irvin. He, he tweeted a picture of him. He said, "Guaranteed to say nothing every time." Dude, that guy doesn't know anything. It's unbelievable how he's on TV. Let's uh, let's let's close out our stop the nonsense with, you know, maybe something that tops the other two. The Packers, the Packers. The team that that was barely, you know, that lost the NFC Championship last year with a a quarterback that, other than maybe Dan Marino, is the greatest arm talent in the history of the world. Uh, and they drafted a quarterback in the first round instead of getting said greatest arm talent ever help. Traded up to do so. And it's not that like Jordan was... Love, quote-unquote, fell to them. Like, that was sort of the range he was supposed to go, right? You want to know what's crazy? Uh, I know we hate Jordan Love. Like, we really don't like him as a prospect. He was probably their best pick in the first three rounds. Because after Jordan Love, they went with A.J. Dillon, who can't catch the ball and is only a power running back, at pick 62 when they have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams on their team. And then they drafted an H-back at pick 94. It's unbelievable. I I mean, Mm. and to to call him an H-back is generous because, like, I think somebody said that they're just going to use him as a fullback. Like, (laughs) it, like... And we, oh man, it's we Russell Webster him. all over again. Man. Yeah, look, we made fun of him trying to recreate the worst version of like the 2017 and 18 Titans offense, like the players that Lafleur was around and stuff. But I mean, golly, like I, I just it didn't make any. It was it was like he said, okay, we've got a really good quarterback, a really like incredibly dynamic running back that I finally got going last year consistently. We need wide receivers and we need, you know, any other skill position. We can double dip at wide receiver. And they're like, or right tackle. Yeah, right tackle. Yeah. Or they could be like, or, well, and this is, this, I should say this, this is why I'm so thankful for John Robinson leading the Titans and not anybody in Green Bay or whatever is because it, they don't overthink it. Like that in Green Bay, they were so worried about trying to make sure that they had the needs fit needs filled for three years down the road that they probably ended up casting away Aaron Rodgers because I've said before, if I was Aaron Rodgers and you traded up to draft a quarterback the like day after I said that it would be nice to get some receivers in the first round for the like first time in his career, like I mean I'm I'm done like I'm just not, not playing like I'm just like you can y'all can trade me like I'm I'm not showing up. Joel Klatt, who, as I say all the time, I really like, I think he had a good analogy on the Rich Eisen show where he said it's like, you know, you're doing a car race or or I'm going to change it to a bike race, right? You tell a kid, we're going to have a bike race with all the neighborhood kids. All right. And the winner's going to get $100. Ooh, all right. Uh, But we're going to take the air out of your tires. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand. That's what that's Aaron Rodgers in a nutshell. How pissed must he be right now? I mean, he's notoriously a pretty good guy, though. Like he's pretty. I mean, he's that's just, that's tweet it said. That said, Aaron Rodgers is going to tweet treat Jordan Love like family. Yeah, like he's his brother. But <laughs> like, uh, you know, my my concern with this isn't so much the they they made Aaron Rodgers upset. It's the they didn't help Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and Joel Clyde also said it's like you want me to. You know, they're asking him to take him to the promised land, and it's like, you want me to do what with what? By the way, they're like, they were due for regression before this, but with this draft class, like, they might be seven and nine, eight and eight this year. I mean, on offense, they have two good skill players, Devontae Adams and and, uh, Aaron Jones. Outside of that, Who's the next best? I mean, you can hardly pronounce Evan their other Funches, receivers. Baby. Oh god. <laughs> Yuck. The tight end in a receiver's body. I mean, you can hardly I mean, Mount Valdez Scantling, um Lazard, Lazard, AJ Dillon. They're just they're just <laughs> Jamal Williams is going to have to play like tight end or something. No, AJ Dillon's going to play tight end, sorry. Remember when they spent a first round pick last year on uh Rashawn Gary? Oh, oh that's the best. That's that the was best cool one. too. So, like, just critical mismanagement of resources by that front office. Like, it's truly terrible. Like, Gettleman esque. Yeah, Lafleur and the new GM are doing doing wonders out there. I don't know how they made the NFC. Also, shout out to uh, Dave Gettleman for swearing up and down that he was going to trade out of the fourth pick uh, this year, only to select in it because he's never traded down ever in the history of the NFL draft. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, I don't think he's ever made a trade down. Like, not even in, like, the seventh round. I think he's never made a trade down. Has he traded up? I actually like what the – I, I like what he did this year. Yeah, let's let's close with this question, Some a little bit of positivity. Which team did you really like their draft? For me, it's the Dolphins. Buccaneers, oh. too. Uh, but the Dolphins, man, I mean, their team got a lot better. I think the Colts did a good job on day two getting some pieces for Phillip Rivers. Uh, so those are the teams that I liked what they did. Well, Colts getting Jonathan Taylor, man, that, that would hurt me. But I think that my two favorite drafts were the Vikings getting Gladney, Jefferson, Ezra Cleveland. That was, man, they were just, they were absolutely on fire. Uh, they also got Dantzler in the third round. That was a really good value. Uh, and then I really like what the Jets did with their new GM. They get Beckton, they get a left tackle, although, I thought worse was better, but Beckton probably profiles better as a left tackle. Uh, they get Denzel Mims, one of my favorite receivers. They get Ashton Davis, really good safety. They get Jabari Zuniga, uh, who I really liked out of Florida off the edge. So I think they did a really good job. Yeah, mission one for them was help the quarterback, and they immediately they went right in and got a lineman and a, and a receiver. I mean, yeah. you can't do it any better than that. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of good draft classes. Maybe it's just a talented draft because, you know, I, I was is. thinking – you know, I was thinking, okay, like Dallas pops to mind because they got CD Lamb at 17, and then they also got Zach Bond later. Ooh, yeah. And their second round pick. No, was... Zach Bond went to New Orleans. Oh, no, sorry. I'm sorry. Who was their second round pick? Who did, who did they get? Diggs. Diggs. Yeah, yeah, Diggs. And they were going to take him in the first round anyway. So, like, yeah. I thought I thought they did great. Then uh, the Broncos, I thought, had a really good draft, yeah. too. They got Judy, and then they followed it up with Hamler. And then they also got uh, Albert O, who was Drew Locke's tight end in college, and who was probably the best receiver tight end in this class. So now you've got they got Cushionberry you know, too, who you like. Yeah, they got Cushionberry. So like they needed one interior line spot filled, and they did that. And then they added two wide receivers and uh, a, an athletic tight end to a group that already had Cortland Sutton and uh, Noah Fant. So it's like, yeah, like yeah, like that seems. <laughs> like instant success for Drew Locke. Like even if you're bad on defense or just like spotty on defense, that's fine. Like put up 25, 30 points a game and it doesn't matter. Um, Minnesota, like you said, that they, they were big standouts to me. They also had like 15 picks on day three. I know, yeah. But like they also got Gladney and Jefferson, right, in the first round. So like if you get Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney, you you win. Like you you did the you did everything you possibly could to get better. So, I, I the Vikings have my number one class period. But then you know the uh, everybody else is you know right there with them though. They got James Lynch too. 
Damn. God, that's right. Uh, who got a meek? Denver or uh, Las Vegas? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Las Vegas. Yeah, they had a weird draft. As they always. always do. They always do. But I do love Amik. It was like SEC guys for 10 straight rounds and then Amik. And I was like, of course, why not? Um, That's, that's going to do it for us in this draft. Uh, we'll be back at some point, probably next week. Until then, for Matias and Will, I'm Luke Worsham reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.